Welcome to Diggin' the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist Dharma and explore ways to bring these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the online Dharma Institute. And I'm John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight Meditation Center and mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher and teacher trainer and founder of Space to Meditate. Well, good morning, John. Great to see you again, as always. Good morning, Doug. Yes, all is well here. Yes. I hope it's well for you. Yeah, all, all is well. Tomorrow I've got a, a bit of a, a surgery on my uh, up here on my head again for another basal cell carcinoma. So I'm going into the doctor for, for that, which is always fun. I've done it six times now. This is going to be number seven. Oh, well, I, I was... my. I've had a doctor week as well. I was, I went to see my cardiologist who I haven't seen since the surgery last year. Ah. <clears throat> Everything is good. Oh, that's great. I'm glad um, to hear that. Although I do need to reduce my cholesterol, <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is not that easy. I mean, it's like I read about cholesterol and it says, you know, reduce your weight. I can't reduce my weight anymore. I don't want to reduce my weight. If anything, I want to put weight on. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I, I have decided yeah. to. And I get plenty of exercise, and I've decided to. Um, I just have to go back to maybe having oatmeal, you know, every other day at least, and maybe bringing some fish into my diet, which hasn't been there because primarily, I should say, this is weird, but and it has to do with what we were talking about before uh, in the last episode about intention. But uh, this is a vegetarian house because my partner is vegetarian, and so. Literally, the only time we ever cooked meat in this house, as I recall, was our first year here when we had a bunch of people over Thanksgiving and we made a turkey. <gasps> Since then, <clears throat> there hasn't been anything in the oven like meat or fish. And, and yesterday I bought some salmon. She's mm. been away. Mm-hmm. As you know, she's yes. in Chicago. So yes. I will admit here that I broiled That's salmon. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I've... Yeah. Bring in the omega-3s. yeah. <laughs> I've I, I had to go down the, the statin route many years ago for, because we have a in our family we, we run high on cholesterol. Yeah, but statin. My doctor said it's not time for that yet. So Good. I'm gonna, well, you know, even they say oatmeal like a few times a week brings up the the better H, mm-hmm. the the LDL is it LDLs which yeah. helps reduce the H. I mean, so I'm going to give it a try and, and we'll just check. But Good. He wasn't too concerned about it. But Good. I was like, really. Okay. Anyway, we so, digress. <laughs> we're getting off topic, but that's all right. Yes. That's all right. It's all it's all good. It's all dark. Or as my one of my students has said, we we're getting into this organ recital. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so uh, what's the topic today? Right oh. view. Right view of all things. Okay. Uh, so we're first. Back to, yeah. Great. First of those stages on the eightfold path. We talked about the second stage, so we're sort of going backwards here. But that's all right. You know, it's all it's all the same. Yeah. So tell me about right view. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping you would tell me about right view. (laughs) Well, I mean, what I mentioned last week is that for starters, right view is just understanding and and having some concept, conceptual understanding at the very least of the first three noble truths Mm. and this suffering and the cause of our suffering and the fact that it's possible to at least reduce that suffering, if not end it altogether. So that's, that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many aspects of it. Later on in the Dharma, there was this distinction between the mundane and the sort of supramundane 
interpretations of right view. Right. And the mundane one is all the things that we're sort of thinking of now, which is, you know, also the three aspects of reality, that reality is, is all change, uh, that reality is dukkha, that's the f- first of the four noble truths, and that uh, re- that all things are non-self. Those are all right. also uh very clear parts of right view, at least in Buddhism. And traditionally, there's the right view that there's rebirth. Uh, now, of course, as a, as a good secular Buddhist, I will say that that's, I think that's less important, but that is certainly for traditional Buddhists, that would be considered a key part of right view. And so, um, you know, those of us on the other side are, are, are in wrong view. Um, okay, that's the way they view it. But that's all, these are all aspects, I think, of the uh, mundane right view. The right view that is sort of uh, more worldly in its in its understanding. Mm-hmm. And what about the unworldly? Well, the the what I think is the most fascinating is the uh, supramundane right view, which my friend uh, or sometime colleague Paul Fuller has done, done a book on on right view in early Buddhism or Theravada Buddhism, and uh, has a lot to say about that. But basically. Supramundane right view is not really so much about view at all, but rather about our emotional, the, the way that we emotionally take views in general. That is, do we cling to views or do we not cling to views? Mm. And so the supramundane right view is this idea that we cease clinging to views, that, that we hold all views as non-self. As not who we are, that we don't identify with them, that we that we uh, cease being bothered when other people disagree with us, and when uh, or we cease being elated when people agree with us. Um, right. It's all of these sort of various aspects of non clinging to views that is the super, at least as as I think I understand it, as Paul as I see understands it. That's the that's the super mundane. It's more of an attitude towards views rather than a particular content of a view itself. Okay. So, but I think we're talking about, I mean, so when we talk about, I, I love I love the whole discussion on, on, on views and holding to views. On the other hand, I think that in the context of the Eightfold Path, right, if we look at like the te- the, the direct teachings, right, it's like, I'm just looking at it now. You know, how do you define a noble disciple who has right view, whose view is correct, mm-hmm. who has experiential confidence in the teaching, has come to true teaching, right? So it's 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 about the view on the teachings themselves. So starting starting there, and of course, right. one of those teachings is the suffering that holding on to a view mm-hmm. <laughs> brings us, right? Yeah. So it's like the the second layer or another layer of suffering is holding. To a view is holding to any view, yeah. yeah, yeah, and of course, you know what's funny, you know, when you talk about that, I think we've had this discussion many, many years ago in a class on on the Eightfold Path, and is because there's a sense of well, then I can't have an opinion about anything, right? Well, that's different, yeah, <laughs> and and that those are so closely related that people tend to confuse the two of them. Um, they think that if I can't cling, to, since can't, can't is not the right word, but if I should not be clinging to a view, it means I can't have any view. 
Right. There's a difference. Of course. Uh, yeah. Because the Buddha certainly had lots of views. Uh, I mean, if you read the suttas, oh yeah, you know you can't say he was a person without views. But at least, presumably, we have to assume he was somebody who was not clinging to those views. He professed them, but he professed them in a way that was he did not identify with them. That he says himself, if somebody criticized him for his views, he was perfectly okay with that. And if they praised him for his views, he, it didn't go to his head, and that was his attitude. And that, I think, is the point of, of non-clinging to views. Right, right. But as I, I think I touched on this in our last episode, but so if we, and I want to keep bringing us back to the, the first factor of the Eightfold Path, which one of the things I said was an aspect of right view in terms of the Eightfold Path is also just broadening one's view. And I, I think the way the Buddha, you know, those stories where the Buddha, I mean, he would often call people fools, mm-hmm. you know. But you also realize, you know, for instance, you know, when it came to certain fools or when it came to people who were, you know, doing great harm, his view would be broad enough to recognize that even in those people, there was the the, the path of, you know, there was the, the, the possibility of freedom, that they could free themselves from that quality of mind, which a lot, which, uh, at, you know, from the quality of mind, which is causing all the harm, they could free themselves from that and find, find their way into another, an, onto, a, onto the right path, essentially. So he never closed off the possibility, regardless of what he might have thought about people. Right. Well, he certainly, for some of the 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 worst ones, he seems to have thought that that they would require a significant a number of lifetimes to <laughs> yeah. to to get there. I think Devadatta, he right. at least at least in in the suttas, whether it's him or not, says that Devadatta is irredeemable. But I think what he meant probably was you know right. irredeemable in in the near term. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly he would not have said forever because you know many, many lifetimes, uh, people will see see the right way eventually. Yeah. But I am, so, so you know, because we're, we're sort of wavering, excuse me, we're wavering here between holding to views and right view. Mm. Right. So if a view is right, shouldn't we hold to it? <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing, is, is that there's a distinction between Holding a view and holding a view, you know, there's different, it's, the problem is in English, you know, we use the same word in in different ways, with different meanings, I think, at least to me, it seems that way. So, we hold the view, let's, let's just take an example, uh, that all things are non-self. You know, in Buddhism, we're uh, invited to hold that view because it's, it's correct, okay, then there's nothing that is self, but we're also invited not to cling to that view, not to make it another self, <laughs> and not to make it ourselves, not to right, identify right. with it, right. not to get all feeling like somebody's attacked us personally if they disagree with that view, if they say, oh yes, there is a self, I mean, which many people say, uh, mm-hmm. you know, do we, do we take that personally? Well, if we do, well, then we're clinging to that view. We're making it who we are, uh, which is the ironic, you know, it's like uh, making, you know, what is it, uh, 
thinking that emptiness is a self, you know? <laughs> I mean, right, right. It's not, it's not the point. Yeah, or the, the I mean, like in a more, um, <laughs> I just experience that I have all, all the time when, <clears throat> say, starting to teach a mindfulness-based stress reduction classes. We go around and we ask people about why they're there and somebody, somebody will say, well, I'm here because I want to empty my mind of thoughts. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, Oh, there's a view that's like not worth having, right? Yeah, but you need sometimes. I mean, that's. I think there. At least I don't. I don't know the particular person who said this. Um, but uh, you know, it can, be meant, it can be meant well. And, oh no, just, no, it's always it's meant just, well. Yeah. yeah, it's just yeah, yeah, it's, a it's, mis it's misunderstanding. Because, <laughs> and then I'll I'll usually come back and say, well, okay, how can you empty mind, your mind of thoughts when you don't even know what your next thought is going to be, mm. right? Because thoughts just happen, and and and. But that's, you know, that's a, a kind of a view about mindfulness or a view about meditation that, you know, this is what what happens. And, of course, the real view is that, well, show me the mind and I'll empty it for you, right? right I mean, that's the right. Zen comeback, yeah. I think, right? Yeah, 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 uh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 um, absolutely. That's one of the Zen koan kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but also, I mean, it could be, I mean, I mean, in some Early Buddhism, you do have the idea of jhana, which, in a sense, is a jhana and the other the other very deep meditative absorptions, mm -hmm. which we could gloss as emptying the mind in a way. I mean, it's not literally emptying the mind because there's something there. There's, right. you know, the particular feel experience of that jhana or that formless attainment. But nevertheless, the idea was to purify the mind. Mm -hmm. uh, and to to end it up so that it's just with that one object, object or whatever it is, um, and yeah, that certainly is a. I mean, I I I'm not personally very experienced in that kind of thing, but I know I'm sure it can be a wonderful, wonderful experience. But that takes a lot of effort and time uh, yeah. to do that. Yeah, I'm just you know sort of looking at this the sutta on on right view and and uh, so you know one of the things that uh, Sariputta, that's that's Sariputta's great. I think it's Sariputta's uh, um, dialogue. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and Sariputta says, uh, you know, just understanding. You know, part of right view is is the view of understanding what's skillful and what's unskillful. You know, so yeah. we can start from there. Yeah, that's right. a great place to start. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so any you know, and then that that brings up you know, well, whatever is skillful is what isn't harming others basically mm -hmm. and you know what is unskillful is you know basically ignoring the the the, the, the precepts on action and sexual misconduct etc mm -hmm. you know in speech right that's unskillful unskillful is anything that comes from greed hatred and delusion mm -hmm. right so we have to think about you know oh and and for a lot of us especially starting out it's like Gee, I've never, you know, so if we look at the three poisons of greed, hatred, and delusion and look at their opposites, you know, how often do we actually consider that the opposites of generosity and uh, loving kindness, yeah. friendliness, and, and wisdom? It, it's like, oh, oh, right. You know, it's like, and, and then, of course, you know, our view gets, I mean, so, so our view can get both, in a way, microscopic, mm -hmm. like, well, actually, and, and this is, we were talking a little bit about this in the last episode. What is harm? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to harm, to be harmful? 
you know, and that gets more and more subtle as we as we deepen our practice. But then it can also be, you know, macroscopic in terms of like the world and the society we live in and the people we are, you know, relating to, and all of that also becomes part of it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's um, it's so rich yeah. when we really get into it. Yeah, um, and that's part of I think also what what's meant by. Uh, mundane and super mundane right view. Mundane right view being this view of karma in particular, of right and wrong, Mm -hmm. and that being uh, uh, critical to our getting off on the right foot on the path is to understand that there is a distinction between skillful and unskillful, right and wrong, that we're doing the, the, making these efforts, right effort, in order to uh, at least hopefully get ourselves more on the right path and less on, on the wrong one. But, you know, that, that sort of karmic impulse for, uh, for our action is one that, at least in the fullness of the path, is one that we have to eventually discard, because eventually the, the Buddha's intention was that we sort of get beyond karmic action entirely, because karmic action is always ego-directed to some extent. We're always trying to make something better for ourselves, Uh, uh, you know, get good karma, you know, pile up that good karma there, you know, and that's not really, I mean, that's helpful, uh, but it's not really the final goal. And that's where you get to the super mundane point later on. Yeah, and then and then we get beyond the super mundane, you know, maybe go into the absolute realm of like, how do these you know, and even you know, right view on on uh, in, in some some ways of looking at right view is just the view that there is this relative world that we live in and that we deal with all of our humanity and all of that. And then there's the the awareness that there's actually something beyond that. There's the, this kind of non-dual view, you know, um, which is not specifically related to in the in the early teachings, of course, right. mm-hmm. um, which we've talked about. But but when when one holds holds that in when one holds right view in that context in a sense you know that that is also about non-self right because you know if an action that i do has an impact on an action on 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 another then what's the difference you know then why would i if if in the absolute realm that difference between that boundary between self and other is basically non-existent you know i would be hurting myself in the context of hurting another so how could i possibly take an unskillful action you know because it's all here and you know it's it's a much broader view um but again it's not it's not part of the early teachings right i mean i think the idea yeah the the concept of right view changed somewhat in later Buddhism than it was in early in the early teachings. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, in, in the way that you're talking about with ideas of, of non-dualism, of emptiness, of uh, Buddha nature, right. all kinds of things that you didn't find so much in early Buddhism. At least, yeah, not in, a, in, in the way it's been handed down. Um, and who knows? But, uh, I mean, obviously there, there are those few suttas where the Buddha is really, you know, speaking a language that seems completely different in, in some of the Udana and, and else, elsewhere where, where there is this notion of a much broader context. And, it, and, it, and it's a really interesting way of seeing the world and, and living in the world. 
um, just sort of recognizing those moments where when the notion, when, when the concept of self and the, and the experience of me falls away, how does that impact the way I relate to others? Mm. Or, or how is the way that I'm relating to others actually an experience of that falling away? And that's, that's actually, I think, what happens. And, and it's like suddenly, you know, there's a realization that, oh, you know, I'm present with this person, but there doesn't feel like there's really a boundary between me and this person. And so there's this falling away of that. And that view then expands and it, or is experienced and very differently. Um, and then, of course, you know, we take credit for it and we're back to where we started from. But it's like, <laughs> <Right>. so <laughs> there's this, you know, I wouldn't call it a tug of war, but there's this, this you know, fascinating play, essentially, you know, that, that we're all in the midst of. And there are times when the role that we've taken on falls away and, and therefore, you know, there's another view when we let that role go. And sometimes that role goes and we hadn't even realized it until we're in a situation where it's like, oh. Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to, to identify with roles, whatever role yeah. that we're, we're in. We, we, we think we've, you know, let go of a past role that used to be who we took ourselves to be, but then we glom onto a new one. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it just, true. you know, it happens. Yeah, you know, one of those roles, like maybe that I'm a self that loves coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are coffee or drinkers. I'm a self that appreciates a good cup of coffee. Yep. And uh, I mean, not to digress or anything, but. <laughs> oh, no, please true. don't. <laughs> please. <laughs> please. <laughs> and, you know, we, we appreciate whatever support you can give us by, in fact, buying us a coffee, mm -hmm. which is the way we support this show yeah. and our caffeine addiction. No, it's not an addiction. It's an appreciation. Appreciation, right. <laughs> And it could help support the show by yeah. covering some of the expenses we have to do for, you know, for publishing these things, which is yeah. not inconsiderable. Right. And, uh, and this is our third season. Hard to believe. Yeah, it is. And uh, we're still talking. <laughs> <laughs> How does that so, happen? <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so this is a huge topic. And I, I have to admit, when, we, when, when you said, let's talk about right view, I wasn't actually thinking about view in the context of holding to views and fixed views and, and all mm -hmm. of that, which is a, you know, we've talked about a bit before in the context of opinions and, you know, fixing, identifying with the opinion or holding to the opinion as opposed to not having opinions. Because mm -hmm. where would we be without our opinions? Right. And uh, I think it's really important. But even in the context of having opinions, are those opinions actually a result of some something that we're missing. You know, mm. it's like you know, is, are those opinions coming up because we're still stuck somewhere in in delusion or sure. in, in uh, hatred? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I can have really strong opinions about various politicians. You know, are those opinions sort of arising out of disgust and and aversion, mm -hmm. or are they arising from some form of wisdom? Um, yeah. And and can one have that wisdom and still have the disgust? You know, I mean, it's really a, a pretty big place of inquiry. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I absolutely. I think it's one of the deepest uh, forms of inquiry that we can make is this inquiry into the character of our opinions. Because yeah. so much of so much of 
You know, I mean, the Buddha would have said, you know, has said that, you know, all of this stuff starts with right view, because it's it's based on wrong views that people do all kinds of horrible things, and it's based on, you know, clinging to those views that people do the same kinds of... Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so um, we observe somebody doing all sorts of horrible things, and <clears throat> we create an opinion about that person, and then we hold to that opinion. We hold to that view about that person. Is that a problem, or is the problem actually a result of the actions that might come out of holding that view? You know. Yeah. You know, th- these are just the places of of looking. Or, you know, another way of looking at it is that we have our opinions about this person, and that opinion spills over in how we feel about anybody who thinks positively of that person, and you know that creates tension, and you know that leads to all sorts of other problems. So it's, it's you know, these are the causes and conditions of our lives. Well, and also uh, making assumptions, like you were, like you were saying. I mean, yeah. we make, yeah. since we have an opinion about so-and-so, we make all kinds of assumptions about other facts about them or about their followers or whatever. Right. And, you know, oftentimes those assumptions are not right. And we have to be open yeah. to that possibility. Yeah. So we would like your views on this particular podcast, and uh, all of them, please. Indeed, yeah, yeah. all of our podcasts, yeah. please. Yeah, yeah. feel so, free. You know, please come to our website, leave some comments, mm-hmm. write us. However, whatever feels right to you, um, we won't judge you. <laughs> we won't hold an opinion for you or about you. We'll be just delighted that you actually. And frankly, we love disagreement and. Because disagreement causes investigation, and, and that results in something better. Mm-hmm. Um, so please, by all means, be in touch. And you can be in touch through diggingthedharma.com. Yep, that's where we have all of our videos with place for you to comment if you want. Leave comments, yeah. leave questions. They're not videos. They're, they're videos. audios. Audios. I'm thinking <laughs> you're, 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 I'm in my YouTube channel again. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can go to Doug's YouTube channel, of course. <laughs> That's a different where you'll place. you'll see lots of videos, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Doug, as always, good to see you, good to be with you, and until next time, keep digging the Dharma. Thanks, John. Keep di- okay. digging the Dharma, yes. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on your podcast directory. And please check us out at diggingthedharma.com, where you can leave a comment, buy us a coffee, and even become a member. You can find out more about me, John Aaron, at johnaaron.net, and Doug at dougsdharma.com. 